This week we'll talk about becoming a data engineering manager and we have a special guest today, Rahul. Rahul has over 12 years of experience in data and engineering. He has been a manager for the last two, almost three years, and now he works as a data engineering manager at Siemens. Welcome, Rahul. Thanks, Alexey. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So before we go into our main topic of becoming an engineering, a data engineering manager, let's start with your background. Can you tell us about your career journey so far? Yeah. So first of all, thanks everyone for joining and thanks Alexi for inviting. Yeah, I started my career in somewhere in 2010, like 12 years back, and started as a, a traditional ETL developer and working with the databases and relational databases like SQL Server, Oracle, ETL tools like SSIS, SSRS, like Microsoft Stack. And then slowly moved into uh, more of a master data management kind of stuff for enterprise, right? And then somewhere in 2015, uh, started getting into cloud and the volume of data was increasing. So got some skill set dealing with uh, big data, right? And that got me into more of a data engineering role. So transition from traditional ETL developer or BI developer, you can call it, to more of a data engineering role. And nowadays dealing with uh, a lot of batch data and you know real-time streaming data, building pipelines, exposing data to consumers, like to downstream systems. So it's been a very interesting journey in the last 12 years. And currently, in since last uh, two and a half to three years, took up this data engineering manager role where I am managing a team of uh, enthusiast data engineers here in India and uh, yeah, building an IoT data platform for one of the Siemens businesses. That's a pretty cool journey. So your journey into what we call today data engineering started with cloud adoption, right? So you saw that many yeah. companies started to use cloud and this is so when you turned uh, you transitioned from ETL developer to a data engineer. Do you think it's different or just the same thing, but under a different name? No, no, it's absolutely the same. I mean, basics remain same, but you have to acquire a new skill set when this data paradigm is shifting, right? So a lot of things changes when the volume and variety of data grows. So in traditional ways, days, we were dealing more likely with the structured data, which is more in relation in nature. But these days with the evolution of you know, machines and sensors, right, social media, a lot of unstructured and semi-structured data use case we are dealing with. Mm -hmm. So before you probably used tools like Informatica, Talent, uh, Microsoft integration service, right? And now it's, uh, I don't know, Kafka, Spark and things like this, right? Yeah, yeah. it's more... Uh, custom solutions these days, right, which fits our needs and moving towards more open source mm -hmm. frameworks, right? Okay, yeah, thanks. So let's talk about data engineering managers. So what do they do and why do we need them? Yeah, so actually the core still remains same as a people manager, right? So we have to take care of your team, you know, you have to keep looking at you know how your team is moving your deliverables etc but another thing which you know adds up to this role is stakeholder management right as an individual contributor you're just caring about your piece of work here you have to talk to various stakeholders who are sponsoring this data platform as well as who are consumers right these days the number of and variety of consumers are also growing 
they are the stakeholders for us right so as a data engineering manager you have to take care of them their needs right and again your team is also your stakeholder right so you have to make sure their skill set are getting upgraded along with the new tools and technologies coming into play right and then coaching them deciding their career path right and sometimes other things like uh, within a team deciding for some approach or sometimes conflict resolutions right and one of the most important task for data engineering manager or any engineering manager should be prioritizing the task right you have a lot of things coming on your way right from various stakeholders so how you prioritize that that's one of the key responsibilities as well mm-hmm. so you work on a data platform some internal data platform right and you manage the engineers right yes because the setup we have at OLX is uh, we have engineering managers and people who report to the engineering managers are backend engineers, uh, frontend engineers, and data engineers, right? So we don't have a role that is called data engineering manager. And usually there is just an engineering manager who manages the engineers. And I'm wondering why do we have this? Maybe because we work in um, so-called feature teams, like a, a team that works on a specific part of a product and everyone works on the same thing. While in your case, your team takes care of a data platform. So everyone on your team is a data engineer, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Correct. And uh, I guess it's helpful for data engineers to have a manager who is also a data engineer, or at mm-hmm. least who can relate to the problems they have, because this is how they can think what is the best way for the development, for coaching, right? And if uh, we have just a visual engineering manager, they might not know in a lot of details about new data tools and so on, right? That's where you come into into picture and then this is you. You give suggestions to people, you tell them what is good to learn, right? I I think you mentioned very valid point, right? This role, when I talk to other engineering managers, I realized that as a data engineering manager, you have to be in line with some hands-on activities as well. So you should know what your team is working upon at the code level sometimes, right? So that's how I spend my time. Like I wear two hats here. So 50% of the time I am working as an individual contributor, as a data engineer in my team, and remaining 50% I'm managing the team, right? So as you mentioned it correctly, because sometimes when you when you have technical brainstorming, you know, or maybe defining roadmaps, then your technical skill sets really comes into play. So a data engineering manager should definitely, you know, have some hands on, not only just managing people. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do you find time to actually do this? Like how large is your team? How many people do you manage? So currently I manage eight people. So including me, it's nine people. Team. Yeah. <laughs> How do you find time? Like if you just have one-on-ones with everyone on the team, it's like half week is gone already. So how do you manage to find time to actually work on hands-on activities? Yeah, actually it has been changing. So initially when we started, the team size was small. I was able to do justice to both the roles, right? Now, since the team size is growing, right? So sometimes it happens, this ratio becomes like 60-40, Right. But I'm fortunate enough to have a team built around, which is self-motivated and, you know, self-organized kind of team. And as part of Siemens culture, we promote servant leadership, not micromanaging a team, rather enabling them to uh, do their best, right? 
and as and when they need they can come to me or come to any of my seniors etc my managers and also when we hire we look for someone who can you know own piece of work right without a minimal support from a manager or or senior folks so that way the team is more self driven i would say that's how i could find out some time for myself on working as an individual contributor but i know i agree to your point once this team size grows more further right then it would be difficult to perform both the roles together so basically if i understood you correctly you have some quite experienced people in your team who can take care of uh, you know helping with technical problems and in general the team is quite self organized so they most of the time do not need you right yes absolutely and then you can focus on other things Yeah, that's that's pretty nice to be able to have such a team when you know that they can just work independently and if you need to to work on something that they you trust them to find a solution to whatever problem they have that's pretty cool yeah yeah so how did you become a data engineer manager how did it happen to you ah uh, interesting so earlier when, when as i mentioned when this team size was uh, less like we had four data engineers including me and that time we all used to report to my manager who is currently my manager and since the business started growing right and the need of data platform we proved some of the use cases that data platform can solve that's so we were getting more and more use cases so naturally the team size was increasing and that time my manager who is my current manager he just you know called me to a discussion one on one discussion and ask if i want to take up the uh, engineering manager role and my reaction was why me right we have other folks so basically what i realized is uh, he mentioned couple of qualities which he saw in me i mean i was not uh, frankly aware about those things so he said ability to see bigger picture right what business problem we are solving right that you can do along with some business acumen domain knowledge and situational understanding right what is needed when that kind of quality he saw and he asked me this and he mentioned that you know once you take up this role you have to sacrifice few things like <laughs> we all are passionate about writing code and you know building stuff deploying that but if i take up this role then i have to sacrifice like 50% of the time at least so yeah that's what a natural evolution i was hired as a, a senior data engineer and immediately after a 6 month or so took up this engineering manager role interesting so the qualities you mentioned being able to see the bigger picture know what the business problems are and you mentioned this situational understanding what is needed and when mm-hmm. so for somebody who is a senior and who wants to become a manager is it enough to have these things no i think these are the essential ingredients but i think one thing i i forgot to mention is about people skill right that is most important so in one what i would say empathy right it's more of behavioral uh, behavioral factor right so uh, whether you can empathize with the team or you know people who reports to you right that's one of the most important ingredient and then these things and along with some technical skills and business knowledge as i mentioned so how do you think uh, technical skills uh, are they important for this role or maybe they are less important than empathy seeing the bigger picture knowing the business needs and other things i think they are equally important with this role because this data landscape is changing very fast right and new and new problem statement use cases we are getting day by day so i have seen in past 
teams and you know and managers they are not able to cope up with the recent technology and trends which are needed to uplift their data platform or data products right that's why in data engineering manager especially you have to you know uplift yourself always in terms of technology stack mm-hmm. you may not be going into too much details of solving individual particular issue but at least the high level idea the limitations and features of particular products or offerings right you should be aware about mm-hmm. okay so let's say for an example if you use airflow right now you heard that there is a tool called prefect which might be nicer and then maybe you allocate some time to give it a try and then uh, see how is it different from the current technologies you use and then maybe you also show others hey this is the tool i played with let's give it a try right or let's not give it a try because it doesn't really work for us so doing things like this right just trying new tools yeah absolutely so along with some senior data engineers or in team right you just brainstorm i mean what problems this tool can solve for us right and it has some various angles like cost involved and you know licensing fees etc and how easy to work so all type of analysis you know you, as a data engineering manager you should be able to contribute to certain those kind of discussions right and that's why i think technical know how is not negotiable yeah mm-hmm. and uh, for you i think it's especially important because you spend 40 to 50% of your time on hands on activities right so you wouldn't be able to do this if you didn't have this technical skills absolutely that, that's why consciously i chose this you know i have the flexibility here in siemens to become a full time people manager right without giving much time to technical but consciously i chose this way so to be you know in line with technical trends so you had this chat with your manager and he told you hey like you're doing such a good job as a data engineer how about becoming a manager so your first reaction was why me right but then mm-hmm. i guess it took some time for you to think about this and agree right and uh, after that what did you do next like did you do anything to make this transition smooth not exactly to be very honest right i didn't jot out any plan right because the team was growing at that point of time and though i got involved in some hiring etc but i did not had any plan at that point of time so it was more natural evolution but in last two and a half to three years i have learned many things which i was not doing initially and few things i have learned which i could have done better you know when i took up this role so at this point i would say it was more organic you know and i learned on the job and a lot of time i used to do one to one with my manager to understand you know how i should be thinking you know not as a individual contributor but as a engineering manager right so when i reflect back i think i could have done better planning right like 30 days 60 days or 90 days plan something like that yeah and then it would have been much more smoother journey but still it was quite decent journey for this transition so learning by trial and error right yeah sometimes a few things i have learned hard way <laughs> which i could have avoided but it's fine yeah, yeah and what were the main challenges for you in this transition yeah at the beginning the first challenge was to get accepted in a team right because you are one of the team member who just you know elevated as a data engineering manager so building trust with the team existing team and get yourself accepted right so that was the biggest challenge initially and then later i realized i was getting into all the stuff right like each and every piece of work 
without prioritizing them, right? And it was really overwhelming. So that thing I learned how you prioritize because see, when you're dealing with multiple stakeholders, right? People are coming from everywhere and too much context switching you are doing, right? And it's difficult to focus on certain things. So this was the biggest challenge initially. And over the period of time, I, you know, learned, reflect back and learn again. You cannot achieve everything, right? Which is on your plate. So you have to prioritize the high priority items, critical items, and then go with that. And one more challenge, you know, initially, I spent a lot of thinking about it, how you uplift your team, right? That's one of your core responsibility. So currently, if my team is delivering or, you know, stand at particular quality of, of individuals next year, if I am able to uplift them or not, are they getting better or not? That was the initial challenge. How about delegating? Was it difficult for you to, oh, well, you said you realized that you cannot achieve everything. You cannot do everything yourself. And how did you realize, okay, like I cannot do this thing. I need to delegate it to somebody else. How was this for you? Was it difficult? How did you learn to do this? It was difficult and, and it is difficult to be honest, right? At this point also, because the culture we have here in Siemens, right? You do not dictate things to people, right? It's more uh, open culture. So in this case, influencing, right? Somebody to take a few things is really tricky, but I'm still learning that. And I have uh, learned a lot in recent times. And this comes from the trust, right? If somebody have trust on you, right? And they can, you know, just take a few things which are maybe not interesting in nature, right? They do not like doing it, but just to support you, they will do it. So still, that's a learning for me. But yeah, that was a challenge initially. Yeah, you said, well, if you needed to go through this process again, you would do better planning. You mentioned this 30, 60, 90 yeah. day thing. Maybe can you tell us a bit more about that? And what else would you do differently if you needed to go through this transition again? Uh, yeah, again, when I reflect back, I see, you know, initially I was playing very safe, I would say that, you know, not questioning people if something is not working well, just trying to build you know, some trust and not questioning people, not very assertive in the beginning because I didn't want to counter them, you know, with certain questions and the relationship I thought will be good by this way, right? In, to start. But I think few things where I could have be more assertive with the team and with some of the stakeholders, right? On some non-negotiable items. That's something which I would do if I get the chance again to relive the, those moments. And I think uh, the another thing which I should have done in the very beginning is setting out clear expectation with the team, right? So defining core goals and you know objectives, etc and how together as a team will achieve or individual right they will achieve so that part i started a little late but i think i should have done uh, much earlier how to do this how do you set clear expectations of a team so let's say you have a team uh, that works on a data platform or for iot right in your case so how do you set expectations how do you understand what uh, team purpose or these things right yeah, it, it took quite some time to, you know, build that framework, right, to set this because the nature of business is, you know, changing very dynamically, right? And you will have requirement changing very often, right? Then what we did as a as an organization and as a team I did is defining goals in two categories. One is your committed objectives or goals or another category is aspirational goals, right? 
So committed objective, we put uh, certain things that, you know, you should not be missing delivery timelines, no spillover in the next sprint, code quality should be good, no defect, all those things which are expected out of a software engineer or data engineer, those are committed goals, which are non-negotiable, right? That you have to achieve. And we have certain metrics to track those. And to uplift the team, right? Because see, with the mature team, all committed goals are, you know, more or less met always. But the challenge come where you want to uplift the game. So those kind of goals, like how you modernize your data platform, right? Or how you challenge the status quo of the processes which we were following. So those goals, I have put it in as part of aspirational targets or aspirational goals. And those aspirational goals should be big enough that you should not be able to achieve 100%, right? That's what comes, we call an aspirational goal. If you achieve 50, 70%, then you're, you know, you're good to go. So that way we are trying to build a framework for, you know, expectation management and performance management. Yeah. Thanks. And we have a related question from Locke. The question is, what are the success measures of a data engineering team? Okay. As a team, I would say success measure is how you enable or cultivate the data culture within the organization, right? or among the stakeholders who are interacting with you. And the decisions which before the data team into picture, if somebody was taking on based on the judgmental call or gut feelings, right, those should be more data-driven in nature. So that's the, you know, not tangible thing, but it's a cultural thing. Tangible, I would say, if we are able to serve more and more use cases in terms of for our consumer, data consumers, and by removing some of the frictions, right, and how easy we can expose our data to various stakeholders in different formats. It could be like reporting, visualization, some restful APIs for applications, right, or for some data for machine learning or data science community within the organization. So the variety of use cases you are able to support with use of data platform, that's one of the KPI for the success. Yeah, interesting. Are there any other formal metrics? Because I usually don't see, yes. so we have objectives, right? So, and then you probably look at objectives to understand if the team is moving in the right directions. So apart from that, maybe there is no need to have other formal metrics and KPIs for the team, right? We capture some of the metrics, like data quality matrices, like we capture, right? And data reconciliation framework we have. And we capture in terms of percentage, right, for different line of businesses of data. And along with that, some basic percentage coverage of our source system data, what we have to offer, and uh, how we are enriching the data. So how we uplifted the quality of the data, right, using some smart ways of including third-party data, et cetera. So I know, I mean, it's very difficult to measure, right, the success of data platform because it, it sits at the back end, right? There is a certain limits as a matrix you can put, right? But I think one of the key metrics is how many consumers you're serving, you know, they're interested in your data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. What is data reconciliation? It's basically you're pulling data from various source systems, loading into your data warehouse or data lake, right? In between, there is an ETL layer or ELT layer involved, right? So what we do once our data load is done in batch mode or real-time mode, we reconcile with what we had in the source system versus target, right? Are we losing any data in between or not? So that kind of framework we have built here. 
-hmm. Yeah, you are not supposed to lose any data, right? So it should be like... Absolutely, yes. So why can we lose something because of downtime, right? Because of downtime, because of your leakages in your ETL pipeline, right? You are filtering some data, let's say, or not putting proper exceptional handling sometimes. That's how you lose the data. Yeah, there's a question related, I think, to data platform. So data engineering is moving towards full automation with data versioning and managed model serving. How do you solve the GDPR compliance issues and bring stakeholders on board? That's quite, maybe not an easy question, right? Do you worry about this at all, like GDPR in your case for IoT? Absolutely. So we do not have those many GDPR related compliance in terms of, you know, our business is B2B, right? It's not uh, related to end customer, but still we we cater to certain data sets which which have to be GDPR compliant, right? So we have put it, the data platform we have chosen for Basically, the data warehouse tool we have chosen is cloud-based, where we do a lot of dynamic data masking, which is a lot different than the static data masking in traditional days, right? And we have role-based access control put it on top of it. So certain people only can see certain kind of data, right? So we have tagged the data, classified our data in terms of uh, highly classified and you know public data sets, and then put it dynamic data masking and role-based access control on top of it. So only authorized people can access the data which they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And dynamic data masking is when you see some personal data or some restricted data, then it is replaced with something else, right? So let's say instead of uh, email, you see a hash or something, right? Yeah, hash or cross or asterisk sign, etc. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, nice. Thanks. Another question from Nishikant is how do you handle data modeling for big data? do agile or something like this to handle evolving requirements yeah initially we had quite a lot of challenge with this right because we have defined certain data model and the variety of use cases started increasing and earlier we were following typical uh, etl methodology right where we extract the data transform and load into a target data model and that was very tightly coupled the data model was very fixed in nature right And that's how we realized we cannot live with that. It's not scalable and flexible. And we changed our approach from ETL to ELT. So basically pulling the data, loading into our data warehouse, and then transforming it on the go. So that's how our data model became more resilient, right? And flexible in nature. And with less dependency on different data marts or tables, right? Mm -hmm. And we have implemented data lake also in our data platform which is more robust in nature compared to data warehouse. So if something changes, then it means that maybe you will need to go back to, I don't know, previous year and recompute some things if you do a change in schema, right? Because you keep the raw data in your data lake, and then if you do some changes in your data model, then you just go and recompute it. Yes, so we do not change data models so often, right? Rather, we have flat data model in place. So we serve the consumers and perform all these aggregation at the real time in most of the use cases. But certain piece of data, which is kind of master data is more structured in nature. And there we have very traditional data models. So in order to handle big data, right, we are dealing with the combination of a data model, traditional data model, flat data model, as well as the data lake. And what if the raw data changes then? I guess you will need to somehow think how exactly you can read the old raw data and the new raw data, right? 
Yeah, so data lineage we are maintaining here, right? And a uh, lot of time the old data we put in cache, which are most frequently used, right, in our warehouse. And when the new data comes, we recalculate that, I mean, invalidate and reactivate the cache to serve faster to the customers. Yeah, okay, back to our topic of the data engineering management, um, because there are still a few things I wanted to ask you. Mm -hmm. So, what would you suggest to somebody who is transitioning right now into engineering management role and specifically to data engineering management role? Yeah, I think a few things you have to accept and, you know, from the day one is uh, you cannot continue playing the individual contributor role because you have limited time, right? This is what I have seen some of the mistakes people make more often is they still, you know, are very much fascinated about the coding part of it. But you have to just uplift yourself and just see a bigger picture for whole business point of view, what problem you're solving, right? And the second thing is empathy, right? If you're genuinely interested in the growth of your team members, that shows, right? And that is clearly visible. So each and every team members, you have to have a certain career planning, right? Sitting with them, knowing their aspirations, and build some career planning and enable them, you know, to achieve those skills or, you know, those goals which they aim for. So just to summarize, I would say, let go a few technical things, right? <laughs> Going much deeper into all the technical aspects and then empathize with the team members. Mm -hmm. right? And also you have to, you know, be on top of the game, right? You have to know what the latest trends are going on. That's how you can enable your team to think in certain direction, right? Or expose this new area of work to them. Yeah, that was the question I wanted to ask you, how exactly you enable team members. So one thing is be on top of latest trends. How do you actually do this? How do you stay on top of trends? Because like in data science, there are so many things happening. It's just yeah. simply impossible to stay on top. In data engineering, I think it's also like it's an actively developing area. New tools appear, new ways of doing stuff appear. How do you manage to stay on top of that? So when I say it's not necessarily mean that you always change your platforms, tools, and techniques, right? Because that's not that's something you, you need certain kind of yeah stability you need, right? So when I say reinventing yourself and getting better at what you did, for example, let's say when somebody new data engineer joined my team and it took like two weeks or three weeks to develop a data pipeline, right? Test it, deploy it into production. Next time, if, if the same pipeline comes or similar kind of work, comes right it should take little less than that that's how you grow and second thing is we have come a certain way right in last two to three years with our, the maturity of data platform what all things right which we can make more modular right and some of the things which we can automate we have to constantly think about those lines and team members are not doing a monotonous work right that should be the benchmark when you challenge that monotonous work, obviously you will try to figure out new ways or smart ways of doing the same work. That's how indirectly your team will be, you know, challenging a status quo always. Okay, so it's not about staying up to date with, uh, I don't know, state of the art and knowing all the recent technologies. It's more about knowing what's happening in the team and how we can make their lives easier and the work more interesting, right? Yeah, other way around, it's sometimes a challenge, right? How you put some restrictions because people are very passionate about, okay, I want to implement this or, you know, the new tool in the market or automation, right? Build versus buy, all those things. Mm -hmm. But you have to just sit 
calm your team and you know just focus on the end goal right what we are trying to achieve not get fascinated with the technology or new tool sets or saas offerings each day or continuously yeah that's very easy to do because you know you see all these tools appear people in twitter talk about this and other social media and it feels like okay this is the tool i need to stop doing everything and try this but this tool is not actually solving your business problem right and then yeah. you need to know what is okay and what in your opinion are the qualities and skills that people in the data team should know because you manage a team right as a data mm-hmm. manager so what qualities the team should have yeah i think first of all i start with uh, understanding the problem statement right or the business problem sometimes and sometimes there is no problem using the power of data you can solve certain use cases right so first the team should be mature or think from that direction and then comes the technology part into it if i talk about tech stack right so i always go to very basics like as a data engineer you should know sql right etl concept data warehousing concepts right and then you know at least one scripting language like uh, python or spark and typical ci cd framework etc so these things and cloud these days right so these are the basics which are important which are non negotiable i would say in current situations yeah ownership is something which i think is most important piece what is ownership ownership is basically if certain decision you are taking right and if something goes wrong or maybe something fails you own that and you do not go into certain blame games mm-hmm. you just try to fix it first and then we see what happened without getting asked from managers or senior people or stakeholders uh-huh. right okay like if something breaks you don't wait till your manager uh, comes and says hey why this pipeline is not working right yeah absolutely so initially i used to get a lot of alerts right when something fails but then i uh, just delegated that work and we decided the ownership of certain pieces where i would not be receiving the alert i trust the team they take care of these things right Okay so technology wise you said uh, the non negotiable minimum in SQL knowing what ETL is knowing data warehouse one scripting language like python knowing the concept of ci cd and oh knowing a cloud platform yeah. that's technology and uh, then also like this business acumen knowing the problems and this so these are the qualities that people in the data engineering team data engineers should have right yeah ownership right you know, we also mentioned ownership and as a manager you probably take a lot of time in hiring people so mm-hmm. i guess these are the things you are looking in candidates right you want to see these qualities in the candidates right absolutely plus one more thing i would say when it comes to hiring right especially with this remote work environment this something called communication skill right it becomes very important how you communicate how proactive you are right and one thing i look for you know very first question sometimes i ask to the candidate is explain in 5 minutes right one of your best project you implemented or your part of so i would say how a candidate articulate things right and stay to very precise answer in what question has been asked just stick to the answer for it mm-hmm. i mean it was important before this pandemic but i mean nowadays it's it became more important mm-hmm. explain in your project in 5 minutes so in this 5 yeah. minutes part i guess is uh, 
also quite important, right? Because I imagine if somebody asks me about a project I am proud of, then uh, yeah, maybe they will need to stop me at some point because I can just go on and on and on, right? So here you have to be concise, right? You have to be concise and, you know, just think of if you're explaining these things up to maybe non-data or non-IT people, right? So how would you explain this? Not going to too much technical details, but first to start with a business use case and what you or your team did to solve it. Mm-hmm. That's why I keep this limit of five minutes, you know, just to finish it in five. If if I have any further questions, if I'm interested or uh, to know something more and dig deeper into it, then following questions, you know, takes place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When talking about a project, you should start with a business problem. So you do not jump into, I don't know, I was using Spark to move one terabyte of data in Parquet from S3 to, I don't know, Google Cloud Storage, right? Nobody can cares. Absolutely. So start with a business problem. That's a very common mistake I would say people do that they start directly jump into a technology part of it. I mean, that's not the, something they're passionate about. Yes, yes. Yeah. Sure. But still, you have to be able to articulate these things in you know lesser time. Yeah, because this is a mistake I also do quite often because I'm so proud of what I built and I want to talk mm-hmm. about this. And then I forget about that. Actually, I was not doing this for the sake of doing this, right? That there was some problem that I was trying to solve. And that's very important to bring this up. And to what else do you ask on the interview? Initially, I do part of technical screening as well, but these days focuses more on hiring manager round. So somebody from my team or you know peer teams, they take technical discussions, right? And if that goes through, then in the hiring manager round, I mostly focus on about the project. And second thing is just try to gauge you know, what a candidate, not focusing on the past, what they have done in the past, but what they can do in the future for your team or your organization, right? I mean, it's difficult, but, you know, asking certain incidents and how they will react. And sometimes I put them into certain situations which are more hypothetical situations, right? And how they respond to that. So, for example, if you want to uh, launch Amazon.com in in Antarctica, right? Or launch Uber in China, right? So that gives me the thought process. It's not related to directly data engineering concepts, but how a person thinks about problem. And and the answer may not be, I mean, not be 100% right, obviously, right? It's just approach, which I try to gauge. And along with that, certain, you know, leadership qualities like customer obsession, right? Which explain their customer obsession and, their ownership, as I mentioned, right? So discussion along these lines. Mm-hmm. So what's the right answer to how you open Amazon in Antarctica? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that the right answer, right? Because if Amazon, let's say, hires me and, you know, asks me to do it, I may not be the right person for doing it. But there could be many right answers to it, right? It's just approach. Maybe the right answer is you don't open it there? Uh, no, no, that's the that's the prerequisite that you have to you have to ah, okay. <laughs> you cannot bypass that <laughs> okay the, yeah. can you tell us about your best hire yeah i think a couple of them in recent times so as i mentioned these are technical skill set plus the hiring manager behavioral skills which i try to judge people on that's something and when you talk about best hire right something has to be different than the other hires so i re- recall like six months back uh, one hire and then eight months before two months that 
both of those guys they adhere to all these qualities which we were trying to judge but on top of it you know they were very keen on understanding our use cases what we are trying to achieve and the job fitment basically so in short term and mid term you know what do we ex- i expect as a engineering manager with those guys so they were trying to gauge that not just applying for a random job and you know just appearing for interview they did a lot of due diligence about the company and about the team they reached out to other team members over linkedin saw their profiles where they come from all these due diligence they did and once the interview round was finished we were about to go to hr discussion you know both of them separately right they asked to have one more discussion with me where they they kind of interviewed me you know about obviously their career path for and what's the next role they should be aspire for in the organization right and talking a lot about culture so that shows the genuinity right uh, whether you want to work for organization or not so i would say due diligence is something and and assertiveness was you know which mm-hmm. sets you know best hire part with the other hires yeah. mm-hmm. and to what i heard from all this is if you want to impress a hiring manager ask the, the recruiters to schedule one more interview <laughs> oh my god you you just exposed this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there is a quite related question from Frederick. Mm, so the question is about hiring data engineers. And I also saw this that we often get candidates who just put a lot of buzzwords in their CVs like big data, security, scalable, you know, then you add a bunch of technologies like Spark, Flink, uh, what else is there like Pulsar, Kafka, like you just put a lot of buzzwords there. And uh, yeah, of course I imagine that these people pass the the first recruiter filter right so because uh, like all the keywords match but then at the end maybe apart from buzzwords there is no like real knowledge so how how do you solve this as a data engineering manager before the interview is there a way to somehow spot these candidates before the interview it's a little difficult right because in the screening you just have a, a profile or resume in front of you right mm-hmm. i think nobody you know reads whole resume because we don't have that much time right you just glance on few things that's it but i think during the hr discussion so what we did recently is you know passed on certain questions to hr to just get idea of it but if let's say candidate goes through it most of the time i capture this during the hiring manager round most of the time because these guys sometimes tend to clear the technical rounds as well but we had internal discussions with my technical interview panels that how you spot these things right so we instead of directly jumping into raw technical questions we start with you know if we find certain things which is not adding up like certain technology or framework which they claim they worked upon then we ask them to give us a scenario you know why they use this technology in which scenario they use this this kind of technology and there you can just classify simply if this guy has just mentioned this for the sake of mentioning or worked with it so asking very basic questions like uh, for example somebody claims that i worked on data lake and data warehouse so you just ask what is the difference between data lake and data warehouse right yeah. or uh, on premise and cloud these very basic questions right if they are able to articulate or you know mention this then fine otherwise you can spot these things yeah mm-hmm. to basically ask about the context which this technology was used if somebody says they used uh, you know kafka then ask why kafka yeah. what was the problem you were solving and what were the alternatives and why you decided to use this particular technology versus alternatives right 
Absolutely. Yeah. The context is very important. I remember I was uh, also doing CV screening and I saw a person mentioned all these bash tools like Oak, Set, uh, Perl and all that, you know. And I was on one hand, I really wanted to ask that person, like, hey, do you really know all that? And then on the other hand, it's because I don't know this myself and people who know this thing, they, to me, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, they really impressed me. So I wasn't sure if they just put this for the sake of putting this, let's say, if you don't know a technology. But you see somebody put this and you know that this is a difficult, like it's a complex technology. How do you assess if they actually know what they are talking about? Yeah, that's difficult. <laughs> it happens sometimes. It's not very often, but it happens. So what I do is during the interview, I just open up that technology or tool, right? Which they mentioned, just search on the Google, right? A simple search, which opens that company website or Wikipedia. And that gives what this tool is all about, right? In like, two lines right and it comes with experience also right if you do it again and again that that you build the habit of understanding the technology but understanding the concept of that technology why that exists so yeah at the same time i you know just open a browser and you know while candidate is explaining you know i get certain questions around those technologies yeah well maybe they can also do that right open wikipedia page yeah, but you can just read a few things from, from there, right? But the question would not be directly from that Wikipedia page or, or mm. the website. Yeah. Right? yeah, that makes sense. There's a question from Crucial. I think they are a second-year student. And the question is, what would you suggest to ACE in being a data engineer? Yeah, for, for uh, you know, recent college graduate or students, right? I would say... Focus on basics here, right? Do not jump into any specific tools or technology. Sometimes it happens. It happened with me as well when I was starting my IT journey, right? That time, I think Informatica and these tools were very famous in the market. So don't focus on particular tools and technology. Rather, in your college days, focus on basics like how database management system works, right? And like basics of SQL and some Python maybe, right? Just try to understand how software engineering works at that point of time and just get to know basic terms of what is data warehouse, what is ETL before getting too much attached to any enterprise tools. Mm -hmm. So build the basics first and then later jump into what industry demands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I guess if we talk about a four-year program and you're currently in a second-year program, maybe by the time you graduate, the tools that are popular right now will not be popular anymore, right? And Absolutely. In, like Informatica was very popular, but now how many people use it? I think still they have a, like a large piece of the cake, right? Mm -hmm. So of the market share, but still I don't think it's as widespread as it used to be, right? So maybe it's better to invest your time in learning something that is more commonly used. But how do you know what yeah. will be commonly used in two years? You don't, right? You don't. That's the shift I'm seeing these days, right? With the great candidate versus average candidate you hire, right? A person who is able to reinvent themselves, right? Again and again, right? And just get better again and again. That That is something which sets apart, you know, with other average candidates who are more focused on understanding any technology or tools, right? Just if your basics are right, right? And these three, four technologies you know, right? Querying in Python, et cetera then you should be good learning any new tool in the market. And these days, these tools are very user-friendly, I would say, or developer-friendly, right? A lot of good UI they're putting into place and very easy to use. So it's a matter of few days or weeks to learn a new tool. 
Yeah, there is one question, uh, probably last one, because I see we should be wrapping up. But this question has seven upvotes, so I think I have to ask it. Mm -hmm. So a question from Akshay is, uh, I want to know real-world end-to-end process of how a data engineering team design, build, deploy, and monitor with structured and unstructured <laughs> data in both real and batch. I think this is too much for one minute that we have left. Yeah. But maybe you can give us like a, an overview. I think we should have another session, you know, dedicated to yeah. this piece, right? <laughs> Which can, you know, last couple of hours, right? <laughs> but anyways, you know, just to summarize this in the matter of time is, so there are different pieces of data engineering, right? End to end. So first is you start with the source systems where data exists, right? It could be relational database, flat files, cloud S3, all these things. And you build one data pipeline to pull data from source systems and load into your data warehouse or data lake that is a centralized data hub. And then you build one process to expose this data because this is one first part of it. You have all the data in data warehouse, but how a consumer who is interested in your data will consume it. So there could be various methods of consuming the data in terms of you have, let's say, reporting tool or visualization tool, and you have certain APIs built on, on top of your data warehouse platforms, which can serve any applications in real time. You can have some another ETL layer for you know some other consumers who are interested in your data. So these whole end-to-end -end system can be in batch mode also, which runs daily or weekly load. And second thing is it can be event-based also. So the moment data arrive in your source system, you can have certain events listening to that source system. For example, let's say S3 bucket, right? Your file lands on S3 bucket, your Lambda function get triggered. I am talking in terms of AWS uh, terminologies. And that puts your reads data from S3 buckets and load into your data warehouse. So that is more real time. Or if you talk about streaming, then you have Kafka or any message brokers, which you know can connect your real time data with your warehouse. Right? So I would say just to uh, summarize this focus, not only just bringing data into data warehouse, but a second part, which is how you expose that data. If nobody is able to consume your data, then your data warehouse is not worthy or useful at all. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. What's the best way to find you if somebody has questions? Is it LinkedIn or there are other ways? Yeah, yeah. LinkedIn is like these days spending a lot of time on LinkedIn. So yeah, please reach out on LinkedIn. And you can put maybe the LinkedIn profile in this description. Mm -hmm. Yes, I will. Yep. Okay. And if I need to put anything else in the description, just send me the links and I will do this. And mm -hmm. I would like to thank you a lot for joining us today, for sharing your experience, for answering so many tough questions, also sharing your personal experience of transitioning and also telling about problems. And I would also like to thank everyone who joined us today and asked questions. And I would like to wish everyone to have a great weekend. And yeah, well, see you next week. Yeah. Thanks for inviting Alexei. It was really interesting discussion, right? I could not, you know, realize that one hour already passed. Yeah. And thanks for asking great question, guys. And stay in touch. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn as I mentioned. And hope to talk to you guys again. Okay. Great. Goodbye. Bye bye. Take care.